You're watching KTCA-TV, St. Paul, Minneapolis, Channel 2. The two doctors are coming to Minneapolis. It's a Doctor Who festival. Meet the second doctor, Patrick Troughton. I do tend to get involved. And the sixth doctor, Colin Baker. Receive this very penitent. Plus the official BBC Doctor Who exhibit, costume contest, and more. It's all at the Minneapolis Armory, Saturday, October 4th. Tickets are on sale now at Dayton's Ticket Outlets. Welcome, everybody, to a very special edition of the Metabilis 2 podcast, starring myself, Ben. And your cohort in arms, David. And for one night only, we have a very, <laughs> very special guest who will be familiar to all fans of Doctor Who. It's Greg Schall of Minneapolis. <laughs> hey, welcome, Greg. <laughs> Thank you, David. Thank you, Ben. Uh, <laughs> Let's just uh, let's just quickly let's just quickly int introduce Greg for um, for new listeners. I think it's unlikely, sadly, that Greg will be a regular on this podcast. <laughs> no, I think it's very likely that, that it's possible. No, it's, anyway, um, Greg is, is someone uh, who uh, I have known for several years now. As, as some of you will know, I've been living for the, the, the last year and a half or so in Seattle. Um, but I am planning a return to the Twin Cities. And one of the joys of that return is to be able to spend more time with my good friend Greg, who is a, a feature of uh, the Minneapolis scene. Not only the Doctor Who scene, uh, but also the post-punk rock drummer scene. And a whole bunch of other cool scenes, which Greg is, is, is a scenester of. Um, LAUGHTER and uh, without further ado, I'll, I'll actually what, I, what, what, what I'll do, I'll, I'll actually pass it over to Greg. And um, if you maybe want to explain how you first got mm -hmm. into Doctor Who, mm -hmm. and perhaps even reveal that even more than myself, and even more than David, you are actually probably the, the most hardcore of Doctor Who fans, certainly based on your experiences as a young child. That's, <laughs> that's true. I have, I have shaken the hand of John Nathan Turner himself. Something I have not done. Yes. And cannot now do since he's well, done. Well, Unless, of well, course, it was the hand, the hand, hand. of hand. It was the hand of fear. It was the hand of fear. It John was the hand. <laughs> okay. Uh, Podcast focus. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, well, let's see. The first time I saw Doctor Who, I was at uh, my friend Nate's house, who was a good friend of mine who lived down the block from me. And I was sleeping over at his house and his folks... Um, would just watch it, and they just had it on, and I think it, his parents. Yeah, yeah, they were into it, um, and they just had it on, and they were like, "Well, here you go, kids. You guys can stay up late. I guess you can watch Doctor Who with us." And this is when it was on public television here in Minneapolis. So it was on usually about ten o'clock at night. It would start. Yep. Um, so I think it must have been Seeds of Death. I want to say because I remember the Antarctic setting to it. Seeds so of Doom. Of the first Seeds of Doom. Seeds of Doom. That's right. It, yes. It's tough. It's hard to get those too straight yeah. as they basically have the covered covered of course on last year on, on last week's metabolist 2 podcast listeners. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i think i may have only seen like the first hour of it and then i probably promptly fell asleep uh, and then after that you know, that is that's my wife's reaction to most doctor who <laughs> mine as well not the sea not the seeds of doom though i mean i defy anyone to fall asleep during the seeds of doom but anyway uh, yes it is a six-parter it is a six-parter that's true uh, and you, of course you're watching it in the united states style omnibus mm, edition mm -hmm. which is a Six parter makes it like three or four hours long, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. or three hours long. Yep, an hour and a half, two hours. Anyway. Yeah. 
And I think after that, I had seen Deadly Assassin. And that is actually one of my favorite ones because that was probably like the first episode that I watched all the way through. And it's so dark and so weird and so strange that there's no companion. It's just the doctor in the right. Matrix, and it's mm-hmm. kind of a it's a, it's an interesting it's an int- it's an interesting one to start with because you point out is actually it's a complete outlier. Mm-hmm. In fact, the only and again, you know, maybe we'll touch on this later in the podcast, but I think uh, the main comparison that I would make to the Deadly Assassin is. Heaven Sent, the penultimate episode of season nine. Just mm-hmm. the Doctor, no companion. He's in a weird, crazy, messed up world. Almost Matrix-like. Almost, one could almost say that it is like the Matrix. Uh-huh. Yeah, it could be an extension of the Matrix if it wasn't uh, another Moffatisms. Exactly, if it hadn't been explicitly stated that it wasn't an extension of the Matrix, which is kind of mm-hmm. a shame, really, because... Um, I think that I think that penultimate episode would have worked better if we'd had some more relevant continuity. Mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of irrelevant co- continuity in those last two episodes, and not enough irrelevant continuity. And that's one of my problems with, I think Moffat, as a excuse me as a whole, um, is that the continuity is often kind of bolt on and and not particularly relevant. But sorry, Greg, I'm interrupting. Let's hear about some of your some of your costume adventures in the early '80s. Yes. Uh, to anybody who may be listening, um, That's there might be yeah, there might be five or six people who now, 30 years later, are like, that's the damn kid I lost the costume contest to in 1985 <laughs> when Peter Davison came to, to St. Paul, actually, St. Paul. Okay. That was the, as far as I know, that must, that might have been the first. Uh, first and only time he was in St. Paul? I believe so. It would have been the first Doctor Who convention. Really? And where there. was that held in St. Paul? The Prom Center, which is no longer there. It was on University Avenue. Oh, and it was de- de- demolished in the 90s or something? Mm, Interesting. Yeah, and that yeah. was, 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 was that, so that was the very first con that they had in Minnesota, or was it the very first con that you'd gone to? Certainly the first one I'd gone to, but okay. I, was, I was like eight or nine. Okay. Yeah, and I can't imagine they would have had many before that. But yeah, yeah, I won the costume contest because uh, I was a kid. Right, and, and <laughs> why don't you tell us who you were dressed as? I was dressed, uh, let me get the picture for you. It was very high concept in that uh, I was very possibly way ahead of the curve of being Patrick Troughton from season 6B because I am an (laughs) old Patrick Troughton because I was trying to be William Hartnell, but my hair wouldn't slick back. So my hair's gray. I have kind of a bowl cut because I'm an eight-year-old kid. Right, right, And I'm dressed, I'm dressed, you know, I'd say Hartnell and... uh, Patrick Troughton were Wow, so you, so, so you were basically, you, you, you were a other. season 6B Troughton uh, season 6B. before there was such thing as yeah. a season 6B <laughs> Troughton. There's a photograph. And it's perfect. Um, you also, <laughs> and I'm wearing trainers and with my trainers. suit, so take that, David Tennant. So, so you're, I mean, I, I, listeners, I'm afraid you, you obviously, since you're <laughs> literally listeners, you won't be able to see this picture. But uh, let me just describe it to you. It is actually pretty much a kid who is, a, he's giving us a, uh, what I can only describe as a Bill Hartnell stare. Um, he has a blonde bowl cut, which is reminiscent uh-huh. of um, the season 6B Troughton. It's also very reminiscent, I'd, I'd have said, of Peter Davison as well. Mm. Um, he's wearing a very fetching uh, a top um, with a, uh, I can't remember what those bow ties are called. But anyway, the, uh, he's wearing a, ver- a great Hartnell uh, style tie. <laughs> But yeah, it's definitely it's a it's a it's a mashup of Hartnell and Six B 
Troughton. It's brilliant. But with the amazing addition of David Tennant trainers, <laughs> I think we're looking at a, a, a Doctor Who from a, literally from a, some kind of alternative dimension. Yep. Brilliant cosplay. Wonderful. Yes. And I uh, want a plush canine was my reward. Ooh, wow. You which I a, wish I still had. Yeah, so Excellent. do I. They're, they're, I think those are worth probably about 10 or $15 on eBay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And it's the memories. It's the memories that make it. It's the memories that make it. Um, so why don't you tell us who, who, at, the, who at this very young age, and obviously this, 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 um, this start with you, who were you able to meet at the convention in St. Paul? Mm-mm. I was just Peter Davison himself, and he signed wow. my uh, copy of uh, the novelization of The Five Doctors. I still what? have it. You still have it? Yeah. Marvelous. Was he the only uh, the Doctor Who luminary at the convention? Uh, or um, can you remember others that were there? Uh, he and John Nathan Turner were there because John Nathan Turner was, you know, uh, sort of in charge of the costume contest. He'd kind of go up to each person and be like, okay, how much applause do you think this person gets? Wow. Mm-hmm. So he was like right there with his hand on my shoulder ooh, when I was. <laughs> creepy. Um, was, was he wearing his trademark Hawaiian shirt? I believe so. Excellent. There might be photographs in the archive at my parents' house. Oh, it would be wonderful to see those photographs. Yeah, you could uh, tweet point. those out. We, yeah. we, we could tweet those oh, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you guys copies. Fantastic. Any more memories of the con at, at, mm. at, 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 at that time that you can dredge up for? Probably just endless hours sitting on panels there as an eight-year-old. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, 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 David, um, uh, you didn't attend any cons, did you? In the in the eighties, no, I Saint-Paul? am. Would incredi- you have done? Hmm. Well, I, I certainly knew about him, but I am incredibly introverted and I shy away from <laughs> fandom as much as possible. Uh, same here. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so yes, I knew about him, but no, I did not attend at all. I would have been in mm. high school in, uh, well, if this con was in 84, 85 time frame, and I would just right. been paralyzed to you have been... anyone know that I was watching Doctor Who at that age. Right. Mm. So even the opportunity to meet David uh, Peter Davison, or perhaps less so, um, John Nathan Turner, you'd but just to be mortified, basically, and not. No, to... I just—it's never been that appealing to me or interesting, interesting. to me to meet actors because mm. I know right. that you know they're not the characters, and for them it must be get really boring to hear same questions. What's your favorite Dalek story, or yeah. what Doctor did you mm. look up to? And I just—I don't really get much out of that. Interesting. Uh, so yeah. I and. And you know, Tom I Baker would never know <laughs> if you met him. He he knows. He Nothing doesn't. He doesn't Doctor. remember anything <laughs> about this at all. <laughs> right. I guess I kind of like that separation of uh, actor and character, and I'll engage with the character on my term or the term of the program. But certainly, mm. I don't want to have that crossover into my reality i guess no that makes a lot of sense i mean i'll just throw in my convention anecdote i mean i've only ever been to one convention um, i have met who actors in uh, to sign things so particularly at, at the 10th planet store as was in barking um in the east end of london that's i've met uh, i met liz sladen and uh, uh, ter- uh terence dix and peter davison and Colin Baker. Uh, so, I, I, so I met quite a lot of folks there. I, I met Nick Courtney at Forbidden Planet in, um, in Oxford Street. But the only convention I've ever been to was, the, of course, what everyone knows as Doctor Who's Woodstock um, in 1983 at Longleat. 
Oh, so you were part of the horde. I was part of the horde, and, and um, to his eternal credit, and he's sadly gone from us now, but I will give him a shout-out right now. Um, my dad took me. Um, my dad um, not only didn't really like television that much, well, he did like television, but mainly, mainly for the football and the comedy. <laughs> he didn't like Doctor Who at all. Um, he didn't know what I was doing and why I wanted to go, um, uh, but he took me anyway, and, like, good good on him because it was an absolute nightmare I, in fact i don't actually know what he did during the convention because i just remember running around and i have some photographs somewhere taking photographs of things um i was far too shy to get anyone's autograph right apart from apart from janet fielding oh so I, which is which is pretty cool. Which, Jen, the, the most bullshit, probably most intimidating person. There. Exactly. I mean, I, I shied away from all the nice people, and I, I just made a beeline for the one. And she she was on her way out. Actually, I think it was in the car park, and we as we were leaving, and I suddenly saw her like, she, oh, I, I've got to get at least one autograph on my program. So I grabbed her, and she was not in a very good mood, and it totally vindicated my my decision not to approach any actors. <laughs> Because she she was really quite rude to me. Aww. Yeah, she was she was just at the finish line. She was. She ex- was like she just was like, so ready to go have a cigarette in her car. Ex- exactly, exactly. And just one of those little miniatures of vodka that she'd been that she'd been saving up. How how old were you for Long Leap? Um, it was eighty three. Um, so I would have been seventeen. Oh, so you weren't a cute little kid. You were. <laughs> I was a, like a like a yeah. gangling, um, straggly haired um, teenager, <laughs> public school boy. Uh, yeah, not even like a proper uh, teenager. I was a public school boy teenager as well. So like two with the, with the with the jacket with the <laughs> what, like a boater and a teddy bear. Um, no, no, not 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 quite that bad. Um, but certainly uh-huh. anyway. So that was my that 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 was my actually my only conventional experience. I think you know obviously. As the years have stretched into decades, um, I've thought about going to other conventions. But again, I think I, I, I very much like you, David. Actually, I, it is a, it is in some ways hard to, um, or not very interesting to see people separated from their characters like that because they are just actors. They're just reading out the words. I, in fact, in some ways, you know, I'm I'm really glad that I met Terence Dix because you mm-hmm. know those are the people who are actually writing the words that the right. that the actors read, mm-hmm. or read out, or act out. But have you been to any any other conventions, Greg? Um, I was going to call you, yeah. call you Gregory then. Ooh, thank you. Gregory. Very proper. Gregory. <laughs> well, Console Room is the current convention in the Twin Cities. It so, is. And I think mm. they've been going for two or three years now. So. Yeah, and they had they had Colin Baker, didn't they, for their first time out? I can't remember. Hmm. Uh, well, to answer your original question, yeah, I did yes, meet uh, Patrick Troughton and Colin Baker when they were on their convention tour that Patrick Troughton passed away on well, so I got to meet him before he passed away which is let's nice. hear let's hear an anecdote about you meeting Patrick Trown oh let's see well uh, my friend Nate and I were there they had like a big uh like a big RV like a big motorhome thing that had uh bits of ephemera in it that you could walk into it was at Blimey. the Twin City Armory in downtown mm-hmm. Minneapolis okay and I go up to get an autograph from both doctors mm-hmm and I think I was sort of dressed up. I have a picture here. I was sort of dressed up, but I didn't have like a top coat on, but I did have some suspenders oh, and you like pretty, a bow tie. You look pretty cool. You look pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Greg is just showing us a picture here, uh, listeners, um, of him at an extremely young age uh, <laughs> handing something for Patrick Trout to sign. Patrick Trout is looking awesome mm-hmm. um he's got silver hair and a patrick trout and doctor who cut he's got some amazing check, check trousers, trousers on 
Um, and next door to him is Colin Baker in his kind of porno Colin finery with like a huge <laughs> mass of like permed blonde hair and like a big blonde beard as well. Mm. Open shirt. Open shirt. Yeah, yep. Colin's yep. just, he's looking looking like a million dollars. And uh, is that your friend Nate next door with the, mm-hmm. the TARDIS the t-shirt? TARDIS t-shirt on. Yes, it is. Yes. So did, did you exchange any words with, with, uh, with Patrick? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Go up and, of course, I'm a kid and kind of shy, but I'm like, yeah, oh, would you sign this for me? Yeah. And then... Colin Baker sees me and immediately goes to Patrick Trout and like, oh, look what you've done. You've twisted this young boy's mind around Patrick and is just kind of taking the piss out of, out of Patrick Trout as I go up. So yeah, that's, that's my fond memory of that. It's Colin Baker giving him a bit of the business. So was this after the two doctors? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I, I mean, so you, had you seen the two doctors at that point? I mean, were, were you aware of who so. Patrick Troughton was? I was aware of who he was, certainly from the three doctors and the five doctors. We'd seen of those course. here. Uh, right. But in those days, we'd had like a year or two, I think, of a lag in between when we would see it. Yeah, it was at least six months yeah. delay. Right. Yeah. right. Well, extraordinary. Um, mm. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you for, for thank you for telling us. Yeah. Some of those, some of those anecdotes. There we go. Hey, those Greg. are those are my credentials. Those you have you have <laughs> excellent credentials. Um, so I think again with a with a with a special guest today on the Metabilis Two podcast, we thought about maybe calling it the Metabilis Two Plus One podcast, or even the Metabilis Two Plus the Moon of Greg podcast, <laughs> or something like that. Anyway, uh, one of the things I thought we, we 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 thought we might do is is maybe is maybe do a little uh, a Christmas episode preview. Yeah. Okay. Okay, this is under. Let, let, let's just reveal Greg's shame here. Um, he's not, in fact, watched season nine because um, he says he's been too busy, mm-hmm. um, which is fair enough. So uh, he's not intimately familiar with with the characters. Um, w- were you aware watching that preview that Nardlo had returned? Mm, no, no, a, 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 retu- a, a, a returning character um, played by Matt, Matt Lucas, who everyone has been clamoring. To come back to Doctor Who, and by young se- men are dying for it. <laughs> and money, young men are dying for it. Um, and by and by clamoring, I mean not clamoring at all. Yes. Okay. Um, so your first reaction to that to that trailer? Ah, well. Dead air. Hmm. Well, Peter Capaldi can act with his face very well when he's, he's eating sushi and being quiet. Yep. Yep. He's got great. That really com- is he's got something. Great he's got comic presence. timing. Great yeah. comic timing. Yeah, yeah, which we know that and he was holding the chopsticks well. Yeah. Yeah. And yet again, as we know, I mean, you know, Peter is a, uh, as if I can call him that, Peter is a is a is a comic mm. actor of great standing. So yeah. yes, his comic timing is impeccable. Yep. The rest of it, superheroes. Mm-hmm. Well, the superhero bit's just kind of silly. Yeah, yeah. And so is this slightly uh, unplaceable European villain who's uh, <laughs> threatening the doctor with a gun. It's a gun. But very, very Alan Rickman mm-hmm. in, in yeah. Die Hard yeah. Christmas episode. Another <laughs> famous Christmas episode. <laughs> well, the accent wasn't quite to the level of Professor Zaroff. Wasn't though. quite yeah. Professor, yeah. Professor Zaroff. What do you think of the of the superhero element there? Do you think do you think there's a place mm. for superheroes in Doctor Who? I'm putting you on, on the spot there, mm. but if Alan Moore hasn't watched Doctor Who since the Hartnell era, he's really not going to want to watch it now. <laughs> he's not going to start now. That's true. Um, no. <laughs> regular re- listeners of this podcast will already uh, re- will, will be remembering a joke that we did. Um, 
a couple of episodes ago, and I, I'll, I'll now repeat that joke for everyone's benefit. <laughs> Greg, are you looking forward to seeing the carcass um, in this episode? <laughs> and are you going to be very disappointed if the carcass if he's not doesn't the carcass? Yeah, if the carcass doesn't turn up. Yes. Are you literally, as I'm going to do, throw things at the screen yep. until the I'm carcass arrives? I'm going to break my own television and have to pay like another eight hundred dollars for a new one. And maybe it'll be five hundred dollars because it'll be holiday. You know. It'll be a Christmas sale. Yeah, exactly. Unless unless we oh, have the carcass. Yes, and I am going to go online. Well, I, no, I think the carcass and the ghost will team up in next Christmas's oh. uh, <laughs> episode. It'll be the first Chibnall outing. Will be <laughs> the carcass ghost Chibnall. reunion. Yeah. yeah, I have to say, um, I did not enjoy that trailer at all. <laughs> I hope it's a rough cut. Um, I thought it was oh, dear. very poorly paced. I thought the soundtrack was badly organized. <laughs> I thought the direction was poor. Um, as so often happens Peter Capaldi did an amazing job being the Doctor everyone else sucked so we'll just have to see uh, I really enjoyed not last Christmas's Christmas episode but the Christmas before that the one where we thought they were going to kill what's her name and then, then they didn't was that last Christmas the one with Clara yeah with Clara where Clara becomes super the, old and I really hope the face hugging crowd yeah that was, which I thought was great and then I really hoped that Clara was going to die as an old woman. And then we could go like, ha-ha, you're dead, you old woman. Um, but then she didn't. <laughs> she didn't. She came back. And uh, But the previous, I mean, last last Christmas is one, which is where we had Matt Lucas do Nardlow. Again, it's not really a character that I think we've been clamoring to see again. Um, I don't think there's any real place for the superhero in the who, the Hooniverse. Though, of course, if we do run with the idea that the Hooniverse is, is is basically infinite um, and runs across every possible permutation of reality, then obviously at some point there will be superheroes because if an infinite universe that encompasses all possible realities, there will be a reality that has Marvel stroke DC style superheroes in it. Yes, and the ghost definitely looks like more of a DC type. You think it's more DC? Yeah, definitely. And that he's crap, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, isn't Superman DC? Uh, Superman is DC, yes. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what they're trying for here. They, you know, of course, BBC couldn't afford to license Superman. No, so. no. Yeah, and I see, I mean, part of my, and again, you know, uh, Greg might be able to correct me on this. I mean, part of my prejudice against superheroes is that I'm prejudiced against superheroes because um, I didn't grow up with superhero comics. I always found them to be irritating. Um, I don't really get behind the idea of superhumans. I th- I, it's, it's just, it's a, I think it's a very limiting, limiting mm. concept. I, cer- I certainly, when I was a kid, I found the Marvel comics very, very intimidating because they seem to have just so much continuity. I just really couldn't understand what the hell was going on. And I just found the DC superheroes ridiculous. And I'm not sure that this Who episode is really going to change my mind. Hmm. Well, I'm a diehard fan for the Chris Claremont era of the Uncanny X-Men, but that ended a long, long time ago, and they could have just stopped right there, and I would have been perfectly fine with it. Right, right. Mm -mm. Yeah. It seemed to me, what was interesting about Watchmen, um, which for people who don't know about comics, is a seminal uh, superhero uh, comic, uh, limited-run comic book that was published in the mid-'80s by the British writer... Alan Moore and the artist Dave Gibbons is it pretty much did all you said all you needed to say about superheroes it took the whole superhero thing like took it apart put it back together again um, said what all that needs to be said about what it's like to be a superhuman and then like ended it 
for me, there would have been. There's no reason to have any any, any more discussion about super superhumans outside of Watchmen, in my opinion. And I mean, I think it's it's a shame to spend a lot of time criticizing Stephen Moffat because, but then again, he is the showrunner of Doctor Who, so you know he should he should be able to take it. I do think there is an aspect of kind of sort of running through every aspect that he can think of of popular culture and kind of whoifying it and seeing what happens. And, I mean, I just hope that this, that this isn't a version of that. David, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm really, I really kind of monopolised that for, for the last five minutes. What do you think of the, uh, of the latest trailer? Well, the thing that brought to mind is the Lego game, Lego Dimensions, where they have all the cross-genre type characters meeting. They'll still have Gandalf meeting uh, the Doctor, etc., I know that Stephen Moffat and Peter Capaldi said they're both big fans of Superman, and this was based off of that. But I see more of a Lego Dimensions type uh, appeal to it than anything else. And for Christmas, I don't think it's going to be any better or any worse than, say, the episode like with Kylie Minogue. So right. I think I think yeah. we're this is this is the type of. Uh, show that doctor who puts on at christmas and when it goes a little bit darker like within the last christmas it's more doctor who certainly but it isn't more doctor who at christmas time so right right yeah and i think actually i think you're right i mean again i mean going to going back to my previous previous point i mean i think the christmas episodes have very self actually more self-consciously in the moffat era than i think in the in the rtd rtd era gone through kind of Christmassy things and you know okay here this is Santa these are this is snowmen you know and, and actually doing a who thing that's about particular Christmas things in this case obviously you know superheroes aren't particularly Christmassy though of course you know a movie like Superman would be a movie that one would have on the TV at <clears throat> Christmas time in Britain where you know families kind of sit around the TV and watch and watch and watch and watch movies the other thing that kind of struck me is the actress who is playing the equivalent of Lois Lane mm. or the newspaper reporter uh, journalist in the little clip. I kept doing a double take in it because she looks very, very like uh, Jenna Louise Coleman in some ways. We have a, right. you know, a, a brunette, uh, a little bit shorter than the doctor, and she just really seemed to me to be very similar and just kind of like the, the Clara character. But for two, two and a half minutes, it's really hard to say one way or another to judge. if that's the case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think what will be interesting for me is to see whether, you know, the explanation for this superhuman is a, you know, a traditional uh, kind of who explanation, which is mm. something to do with science or, you know, who science, i.e., you know, I don't know, it's, 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 or he's got, you know, some kind of machinery on him that kind of like a Batman style that kind of makes him be able to fly around and stuff. Or whether they go kind of full on, this is an alien race who happened to be able to fly around like Superman. I would prefer the previous explanation um, rather than the kind of it's Superman explanation. But I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see how, which, um, what side they fall on there. He could be bit by a radioactive ghost also. Yeah, that's why he's called the ghost, because he was bitten <laughs> by a radioactive ghost. There, hang on, there must have been radioactive ghosts in Doctor <laughs> Who. Can we think of uh, radioactive ghosts? Well, there's the Gelf, who look radioactive mm. and kind of and are ghostly. Yeah. Um, ghastly. And ghastly. Fendaline. I mean, the Fendal. Mm. I mean, that's kind of a ghost thing, isn't it? 
Maybe he was bitten by. Maybe he's a. Oh, maybe he's maybe he's a fendal. Ooh. Yeah. What were the the things that were shimmery bits of? Uh, oh, maybe tinsel it's maybe it's the um, shook and yeah, the, in, oh, the an Vardens. invasion of time. Yes, Vardens. the Vardens. Maybe he's a Varden. Maybe he's a Varden. Yeah. 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 That would be so great if it was. You see, unfortunately, we're fans, so this is all the stuff that we like. Um, it would be uh, t- Greg would like it if the ghost in this in the Christmas episode was a was a Varden of some yeah, kind. Let's tie it back to that. I would be excited if it was a Fendal um, from, or even better, it was a Solon from the planet Solos in his you know in the kind of superhero form at the mm. end of the mutants. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, uh, you know where they where they become where where Kai becomes like super. Super, mm. super filled with light and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe he's a ghost from N-Space. Or maybe he's maybe. one of the ghosts from N-Space. From the <laughs> ghosts of N-Space. Which I've never actually listened to. Have you listened, have you ever listened to that? I've not listened to it. I own the book. And it's, okay. it's somewhere near the bottom of the pile of books to read. All of these Doctor Who books I have that I still have to read. Right. Uh, David, have you, have you ever listened to the ghosts of N-Space? I, I have indeed, yes. It's a... <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a hard listen. It's it, it, your hopes are so high for it, and really? I think that I think that uh, uh, hurts it. I think if you approached it on its own terms, it might be a little better story. But right. for me, my hopes are so high to have uh, brigadier yeah, and brigadier and third, uh, doctor. third doctor together again that it would be um, gold. And it's. Uh, my expectations were too high for it. Too high, right. So, okay, so then it's probably not one of the ghosts from, from N-Space. So I think it's a Solon. Um, it's either, it's, you know, it's a Fendal that's survived the destruction of the, the, the fifth planet. Um, yeah. or, it's, or it's a, you know, it's so, a, a shimmery thing from um, I think uh, <laughs> I think either Moffat or uh, Capaldi said that it is indeed a, a superhero as we know in the superhero oh, really? genre. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we always have to remember that Moffat is very... Um, explicit in saying that he always lies about stuff so yeah i, I guess there's he, hope for it but yeah. i think he lies when he lies <laughs> right he lies <laughs> when he's saying that so <laughs> oh, he's, he's such a he's, a, he's a, such a tricky human being he's a slippery one yeah well again i mean i th- i mean obviously I'll, I'll enjoy watching christmas time with my family i'll be in mm-hmm. i'll be in england for this for this christmas so i'll be oh. watching it with my nephew who who loves Doctor Who and uh, hopefully I'll be able to enjoy it with him. Um, uh, Greg, will you be watching this this year's Christmas episode? Hmm. I bet I can make some time for that. Yeah, yeah, it's Might Christmas. Well. It's Christmas yeah. Day. I'm Christmas. locked into it now. Yeah, you have to now. Yeah, Please. I just watched that completely unedited, like three minutes of it that they just didn't even edit it. They were just like. Here's just three minutes of it for you. Watch it. I'm, I'm betting that's going to be directly. You're not going to see much change on that. Yeah. Between really? The is, clip. Yeah. I just thought it was really badly put. To, I mean, it's badly put. Is it? Is it not badly put together? Is it? I just. I, I mean, think he. I think he just. It's too hard to judge until you see okay, how true. everything's together. No, that's true. I mean, I, I think, was very surprised to see Nardle just walking in like that. So maybe yeah. there's some explanation that he's been hanging out in the lobby or something. Yeah, like maybe. I mean, I I've spent a lot of time on airplanes in the past year or so. Um, so I've forced myself to watch a lot of Marvel superhero movies and <laughs> also Batman versus Superman, whatever that horrible movie that the, the DC one is. And uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really have that kind of whiz bang thing that, that Marvel does so well. If that's who they really think they they're, they're competing with, um, no, it, this it, is this is DC. Yeah, I mean, which it's, it's Superman. Yeah, Superman, but it has that kind of blue grimness that the DC movies have. Yeah, but, the DC movies have been awful. Oh god, they're awful. Batman versus Superman was just dire. 
It was like what? It was. It was actually in some. Yeah, no, it was very. Well, DC yeah. for me has always been about the humor, and, and as mm. soon as DC started getting dark and gritty and trying to go Eric Sayward on it, yeah. it just doesn't work for me. DC is a much more optimistic, hopeful type uh, uh, comic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The books themselves are usually always pretty pretty bright yeah, they certainly used to be that used to be their hallmark of being really? a bit more optimistic really yeah. oh i didn't know that it was always oh, yeah. marvel that was the kind of grim mm-hmm. yeah like marvel was like this could really happen in your world <laughs> that's why like marvel comics happen in mostly happen in new york city interesting versus, yeah like dc really? they're always in fictional fictional cities they, they don't really take place yeah, yeah. i Gotham. didn't know that oh okay so that's so okay Central so that's city. one of the main differences the mm-hmm. right growing up huh. dc for me was batman on television right and that's mm-hmm. very cartoony nothing it's more not, garish than that yeah yeah and then so dc kind of got a reboot and let's see what it was probably like in the 90 92 time frame with uh, the first batman movie yeah. And that was a little bit more dark, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, and then in the actual books themselves, they like broke Batman's back and they killed Superman and they kind of mm-hmm. did a lot of that. They killed Superman a lot, right? Stuff. I mean, I mean walking through comic book shops in the 90s, like there was always like this is the death of Superman. It's the death a bad of Superman. Time for <laughs> right. Well, it was a bad time for Doctor Who too. It was, it was a bad time for Doctor Who. It was also a pretty uh-huh. bad time for British comics as well. I mean, mm. 2000 AD really really took a nosedive in the early 90s. I mean, that's actually when mm. I stopped when I, when I stopped reading it. But um, that's interesting. That, that's something I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't fully, fully so, realized. I mean, well, you, you yeah. just look at the su- first Superman movie. I mean, that's a, certainly a more upbeat movie, even compared to some of the you know later Superman movies. Yeah. It's just DC is just much more. At least in the past, it's been a lot more optimistic, a lot more the hero uh, saving the day type thing, rather than the hero being this tortured individual who really doesn't want to use his or her powers. Okay. Okay. So, so I mean, so, so for so, so for actual fans of Marvel and DC, and I, I'm, I'm assuming you know, with comic book fans, you know, you you you'll read both. You know, you wouldn't be like only read DC or only read Marvel, right? Mm. Mm, I've no, always I've always gravitated towards Marvel. I've okay. tried with DC here and there. Okay, um, I think I would agree with Greg that yeah. I think there's a pretty really. Interesting. Pretty separation, and I've never really been. I've never been into the uh, superhero comics at all. So okay, yeah. I it's a certain audience, and that audience is kind of self-selecting. Yeah. Um, well, so, so, I, I think you get. I think you have. You know, it's sort of like with sci-fi fandom. You'd certainly get people who really like Doctor Who. You like certain people who really like Star Wars, but maybe not Doctor Who. Mm. Star Trek, you might get a little bit of both, but then you have diehard Star Trek people who really can't stand Star Wars. Mm. And then add in things like Battlestar Galactica or Babylon 5. And, you know, you, you get segments of fandom that each story arc or storytelling style particular caters to so it's it's not the genre that is the interest it's the type of storytelling that the characters and the artists do for it well that's this is interesting to me because having watched the you know the recent movies where obviously the dc ones are so much darker and it kind of unnecessarily gritty and kind of you know uh, cross with themselves compared to the Marvel movies, which are a lot brighter and more exciting, They're and funny and funny They're and full of kind of witty characters and things. Mm-hmm. Which seems like an inversion of how you're describing to me the comic books. But I think what's interesting is obviously you know Moffat doing a, a superhero episode of Doctor Who. Apart from you know actual comic book fans, I mean there are relatively few people in Britain. 
maybe more nowadays, but certainly very few when, when I was growing up in, in the 80s and 90s who read either Marvel Comics or DC Comics at all. And mainly because they were really, really hard to get hold of. Not because people didn't like them, but because you basically you couldn't buy them. They, were, they, they weren't available. So what this Doctor Who at Christmas episode must be wanting to reference is either, you know, the tradition of the DC Superman movies, you know, the mm -hmm. Richard Donner movies, you know, from the 70s, from the late 70s. Is it late 70s? From, uh, yeah, late 70s, early yeah, 80s. From the late, late 70s, early 80s. The Christopher which, Reeves Superman. Christopher Reeves, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which, which, to come full circle. Which, which are super, you know, super bright and, and right. exciting yeah, and, and right. optimistic and kind of nice. Or alternatively, he's wanting to reference the most recent superhero movies, hmm. which um, are kind of, kind of, you know, uh, again from the DC angle, are kind of grim, grim and gritty, grim and gritty and horrible. Yeah, so you'd I don't think know. they would. Doctor Who fits in with a bit more humanistic. Yeah, was the more happy-go-lucky era of stuff, certainly that Marvel kind of encompasses now, and that yeah, like the early '80s. Uh, yeah, Superman films yeah. would have been more indicative of. Certainly, that would fit more in with Doctor Who where the Doctor is you know witty and funny and defeats his yeah. enemies by right. kind of outthinking them you got got to remember that this is the Christmas special this isn't part of the main that's uh, true narrative that is true. and that is true. you know aside from Nardle and the Doctor we're we're seeing one-off characters most yeah. likely yeah no well, yes exactly no that's true that's true well interesting time will tell and I think your regular listeners to this podcast if I can be so bold to say what we're going to be doing next. I think, David, you and I will probably be doing a special episode round about Christmas time, um, and we'll be talking about the Christmas episode, won't we? Well, we'll probably do a run-up of Christmas stories. We'll see. Yeah, I think that would be an inter interesting thing to do, mm -hmm. definitely. So just kind of tying in with uh, the Hinchcliffe Home era, mm. you know, this is Moffat's pastiche of superhero movies. So we had the Hammer pastiches in the Hinchcliffe Holmes era, and we're going to see... The superhero pastiche here with uh, Moffat. I mean, do you think do you think that's Moffat kind of filling in the blanks? Because again, I think in the I think it was season eight, no, not season eight, a bigger part of season season six or seven, where we had you know each 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 episode was supposed to be like a standalone movie, and there was the kind of mm -hmm. those movie posters produced, and right. this is this is the spaghetti western, you know, this is the one with the dinosaurs in it. I mean, do you think right. kind of Moffat's kind of ticking the boxes there, checking the boxes of kind of styles of movies to do? Yeah, I think it's a cont continuation of that. And, <laughs> and we we I, thought you I were mean, saying I, something else then. Yes, I thought you were South African and saying can't. <laughs> well, <laughs> please carry on. Yeah, no, that's all right. I, I think <laughs> I, I hate to harp on this, and then certainly I'm not the showrunner and not having to come up with 12 or 13 stories during the season. But yeah. I do wonder if he has, Moffat has said everything that he really wants to say. And just by the extra year with uh, Chimnall doing another year of uh, broad, broad, Broadside? Broad uh, broad, Broadchurch. 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 Broad Broad yeah. yeah. That uh, we're kind of in uh, Moffat going, oh, what, 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 what now? can I give? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting. I mean, we just had the news of. Uh, Rona Monroe coming back, our, our first first classic uh, series writer, uh, the writer, writer of survival. So it'd be interesting to see what she brings back to Doctor Who or brings to Doctor Who. So. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I haven't actually got the most recent Doctor Who magazine yet, but I mean, I've read excerpts from it. And I think there, I mean, there's actually, I've seen a quote from, um, I think someone asked, you know, in the kind of asked the producer a section at the beginning of the magazine. Someone says, you know, will you be writing for Chibnall's, Chibnall's Who? 
and uh, Moffat says, no, I won't, because I've said all, I mean, I've written so many Doctor Who stories, I've really got mm-hmm. nothing left to say. So I, mean, I right. think it's right, and I think it really does speak to, you know, these showrunners do need to turn over regularly. Right. I possibly think that Moffat stayed a little bit too long. But... I think that's mostly the BBC's doing more than Moffat's doing. Personally. Yeah, and, and the, I think the BBC is as flawed as, you know, any kind of big studio is, you know, any kind of studio execs. They've, the people at the top of the BBC have got as little imagination as the top executives at Warner Brothers or wherever's running the, the DC Well, it's movies. risk aversion. Exactly. Yeah. It works. It's making us money. Let's keep on doing it because as soon as we change it, we, you know, we, we risk losing audience. Yeah. And from what I've seen, was it, was it in The Sun maybe that they want the a young record. doctor again that will be more in the David Tennant mode really? than in the Peter Capaldi mode so they can sell more toys and, of course, all Get the, the teenage girls stuff. back in again. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, who can forget that girl who was live watching when they introduced Peter Capaldi? And she oh, was yeah. just so heartbroken that he was a 50-year-old man. Well, I have to say, my... Um, uh, how old is Lauren now? My my seven- or eight-year-old niece was bitterly disappointed when they introduced Capaldi because she said that he had a wrinkly neck. Oh, no. <laughs> Which, for her, was a deal-breaker. Absolute deal-breaker. Um, yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, do you think Chibnall will bring back a... Will be, will, will, will bring back It'll a younger, be interesting a, to see doctor? how free of a reign that Chibnall will have for casting. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure about these young doctors, but but that's just me. I'm 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 a, I'm a traditionalist. <laughs> and you're getting to be an old man. <laughs> yeah, I don't like these whippersnappers coming in, <laughs> reminding me of how old I am. Exactly. Right. I, I prefer the doctor to be older than me. <laughs> the doctor should always be older than me. Exactly. That is that is the rule of doctors, uh, and it was broken by Matt Smith. That yeah. was the first time. Well, actually, no. I think Tennant's probably younger. Tennant than me. probably. Yeah, yeah. I think we're roughly the same age, except he's younger. Uh, um, how how old was Peter Davison though? Was he? He was twenty nine. He was, oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah. I was like 18, so yeah, yeah. still works. Still works. <laughs> at that point, he, he could have, a, he feasibly had a mortgage and possibly could have fathered a child already by then. Like he, he <laughs> yeah. You know, was Matt Smith? Matt Smith was, was like 20, or 23 or something. Yeah. Ridiculous, yeah. He's still just out of university. He's, you know, he's not had a, he's not had anything crushed in him by the real world yet that at least Peter Davison might have. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> It'd be a very interesting casting if they had Peter Davison come back to play the Doctor, but uh, not the, not as the Fifth Doctor, but a different incarnation mm-hmm. as of, of the Doctor. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd I'd go I'd for that. that. <laughs> I would also, and again, may, maybe we're just kind of just just talking for the sake of talking, but this is after all a podcast, so that's what this is. <laughs> I would love to see a McGann, uh, a mm-hmm. McGann, you know, limited mm-hmm. limited edition, mm-hmm. you know, limited McGann series. You know, Advent- for, Adventures for, of the Eighth Doctor. For 2016, that's what I would have really would have liked to seen. I would like to see a four-part McGann yeah. arc, maybe a different showrunner, just um, telling a different story, but a Paul McGann type story. Because I really think he would make a very good television doctor. I mean, he's yeah. a, he, he's an actor who's become. I mean, he, I think he always was a, a really good actor, but he's become better and better, mm-hmm. and he's become better and better at playing Doctor Who, and become better and better at playing everything really. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's uh, yeah. 
somebody please put this podcast out far and wide because I think we're actually onto a really good idea here and that that's kind of like these could be like the rogue ones of Doctor Who if they're gonna like if they're going to like have like year breaks in between series like maybe just do like a little miniseries with Paul McGann here and there or something as a placeholder it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be 13 episodes it could even just be an episode or two I I mean I I, just a one one episode story really couldn't agree more and I think I think Greg's right I mean I think you know this idea of an extended universe you know as they're doing with star wars and doing kind of rogue one which is basically like uh let's just do more star wars um is obviously you know the the, the way that people are making stuff nowadays and that you know, the bbc need to need to follow that and it is actually it's a long time not to have doctor who on our screens and i think they run the danger of people kind of forgetting about the show and deciding that they don't but, like it I mean, anymore. isn't that very british though uh, for normal british series there is usually a year or two delay between them and like sitcoms are often only six episodes long. You're right, but I would also say that I think British uh, the consumption of TV culture and culture in general in Britain is becoming more aligned to the American model. And I think, and I think this is one of the things that the the BBC is being is finding challenging um, is having to kind of adapt its its consumers' tastes to more of an American model, and certainly more to the model of the kind of Netflix. Uh, you know, Sky Plus um, sort of model, you know, where you can just binge on, you know, just a huge amount of stuff. I, I suppose for its, uh, in, in its favor, Doctor Who does have a lot of backstory to watch. You not only do you have the entire classic era, you know, uh, a 40 or so, you know, 30 or so years of shows to watch, um, but you also have, you know, nine seasons now of, of New Who to binge on as well. Um, but I think I think people's attention spans are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And I think you know this idea that you can let a, a show lie fallow for a year is is really becoming less less viable, in my opinion. But that is only my opinion, and I am not an, a, 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 a movie executive or even a TV mm. TV executive. Yeah. You know, it's funny though. Yeah. They've kind of done this, haven't they, with Torchwood and then the Sarah Jane Adventures, and now with the one that's going to be about the kids. Yeah. Oh, class, yeah. School, yeah, yeah. 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 I, mean, I, sp- I suppose class yeah. is, is the, it is the possibly the kind not. of rogue. Who, who, yeah. you know, they're... Yeah. Yeah, I think it's fine to make yeah. shows that aren't for me. And I mean, as I get older, I often wonder, is Doctor Who really being made for me? And I have to remind myself, no. I mean, I have yeah. nearly adult children and they're not, well, one of them just thinks Doctor Who is incredibly boring and the other one is not a big Moffat fan. So, <laughs> so I mean, yeah. so yeah. if it's family uh. television... It's um, my family. It's not really for my family, but I'm not British. I'm not a you know a BBC ratepayer, mm. so it, this isn't television yeah. being made for me. And there was this brief uh, or this uh, alignment in the 1970s uh, Doctor Who that kind of was television that I could, of course, you know, respond to. But I'm, I often wonder is you know it's okay that television even doctor who is being made and it may not be for me yeah no that's something i always have to remember is you know this is not necessarily mine i mean i, I also find it kind of odd that they've kind of let torchwood go as well because well, um, it's rt it's RT, you know, it was a showrunner type thing it's, it's rtd, RTD and yeah. you wonder if you yeah. know rtd was trying to expand this out into the u.s and uh, 
the one Torchwood sh- series that I liked was the one that uh, with the fairies in there, and that wasn't a very popular one. I didn't like uh, Children of Earth. But, I mean, Ch- Children of Earth was actually, I thought that was kind of an amazing piece of TV, but they didn't, never really kind of sort of followed well, off. They on, did, they, well, they did another year in the U.S., but it's, it's, it suffers from RTD doing what RTD does, is he always tries to outdo the previous season or the previous uh, finale, and yeah. sometimes right. you you can't raise the stakes that high you have to make this uh, a small a smaller story so that you can set yeah. set the stage for something large and everything at risk yeah yeah well good so you got anything more to say uh, say Greg here do you want you want to add anything else I was just really really happy that uh, you guys mentioned Count Floyd a couple episodes <laughs> <FCTV>. back CTV <laughs> <laughs> Because I think that used to be on uh, Channel 2 as well late at night. Yep, KTCA. Yep. Yeah, so between SETV and Doctor Who, that was that's my you ever childhood watch, uh, in a nutshell. Danger <laughs> Man or The Prisoner or Monty Python? Uh, you know, I've, I've not. And then I, I had them on a yeah. hard drive that just mm-hmm. went bad on me and doesn't seem recoverable. <laughs> oh, boo. So, yeah, sorry uh, anybody out there that might be offended that I might have gotten them by ill-gotten gains. But don't worry, I got mine in the end and that I won't be able to watch them. The hard drive died, so now I need to buy them. Yeah, that's it. The ultimate in, uh, DRM there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Oh. So, Greg, can we find you online anywhere? Or other oh, yeah, Greg. Uh, yeah. Do you want to, do you want to pr- pr- promote yourself? Yeah, talk? sure, sure. Yeah. I'd see, I think uh, I'm certainly on Twitter at, at Greg Shaw, all lowercase, all one word, G-R-E-G-S-C-H-A-A-L. Um, I don't do a lot on there, but uh, aside from trying to make jokes. Jokes. <laughs> and make fun of fun. Uh, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram as well, and yeah. Aside from that, Are you on so, Instagram? Yeah, I should follow you on Instagram. Yeah. Do, do, do I follow you on Instagram? I'm fairly certain I follow you. Well, I'll have to follow you back. <laughs> You're just a trendsetter, there, Ben. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why Instagram? Tastemaker. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Good. And you, you play in a couple of bands currently. Do you want to? Do you want to mm. promote those? Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I play in a band called uh, Mrs. M R S. Period. Mrs. <laughs> Nice. Is the name of the band. And then I also play drums in another group called New Age Healers, which is uh, kind of the mastermind of that band. Is a guy who lives in Seattle as well. Apparently, yes. Yep. So there we go. It's a small world. It's a, it's a small world after all. Yeah. Excellent. Well, good. So this has been a very special episode of the Metabilis Two podcast. Um, the Metabilis Two Plus One mm-hmm. podcast. <laughs> that plus one being the mighty, mighty Greg Shaw. Um, <laughs> Mighty, mighty Greg Shaw. Um, uh, next week, I think probably we'll be returning to um, uh, to your usual programming um, uh, from the Metabilis Two uh, 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 with with myself, uh, Ben, and David. And for this week only, Greg. Thank you, guys. Thanks yeah, for having thanks me for aboard. Being on. Well, thanks for being on. Yeah. Good night. Bye bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to the Metabilis 2 podcast. You can reach us with email at metabilis2, as a number two, at gmail.com or on Twitter at metabilis2. And again, that's a number two. Hope to hear from you. Bye.